hello and welcome to our video and podcast um, all around shareholder agreements. Now, a shareholders agreement um, oversees really the relationship between individual shareholders in a company covering aspects that are not open to the public within the business's articles of association. But what's included and why might they be valuable to the business owner? Well, to help us guide through the complexities of shareholder agreements, uh, I'm delighted to be joined today by John Morgan, who's our Associate Solicitor in the Corporate and Commercial Department here at Manda Hadley. Um, hello, John. Good evening. Good afternoon, rather. Um, so, John, just to um, get things started, could you give us some background on what is a shareholders agreement and why a business owner might need one? Yes, certainly. Um, as you said in your opening remarks, Joe, um, it's a shareholders agreement is a private contract between the shareholders in a limited liability company. Um, it's not open for public scrutiny, whereas the articles of association are. Um, typically, just to give a little bit of background, when a new company is formed, the company's formation agents or typically its accountants will file articles of association at company's house, which will, again, typically be either the company's for company agents standard form or the accountants or their professional bodies recommended form. Um, that's fine, but it it covers many many points of concern in not the full detail probably shareholders when they think about it would want. So a shareholders agreement can vary the articles of association, um, or and or it can be supplemental to. It's it's a bit of both if the truth be told. I'll, I'll give you some examples. Um, a shareholders agreement will often cover how the company is going to be financed. Directors loans, bank loans, combination of both, who's putting in what. Obviously, that will not be a matter for inclusion in the articles of association. Um, it's also covers things in more detail such as the transfer of shares um you know if if shares are to be sold amongst the current partners at what price who's going to determine the price how is the price determined um if it's if it's the admission of a new shareholder who decides the majority shareholder or does it have to be unanimous or something in between um, the composition of the board of directors, how many directors, um, do directors' decisions go on a simple majority vote? Or, for example, do the minority shareholders have the ability to place a veto? In other words, they must vote for the resolution or it will count as a not being a resolution. Um, what happens, dare I say it, if one of the shareholders becomes critically ill or dies. If it's not provided for, then the shares by law will go by what's called transmission to the next of kin of the deceased. So the continuing shareholders could perhaps rather unwillingly in the best sense of the word, find themselves having to deal with the deceased 
family. That can be a difficult relationship. Mm. Um, it also will, a shareholders agreement will seek to perhaps contain restrictions on what the shareholders can do outside the business. The obvious one being their ability to set up a competing business or something that could conflict with the activities of the company concerned. Um, obviously of critical importance because these are relationships that don't go on for life. Um, what happens when there's a view that it's time to sell the company, by which I mean in the present context, sell the shares in the company. So th those are some of the things um, that will need to be covered. So those are the more typical elements that you would yes. find in a shareholders agreement. Okay. So can a shareholders agreement include provisions to protect the minority shareholders in the event of selling the business, for example? Very much so. I mean, what I think you're in the jargon of the day, you're referring there to what's called tag-along rights. What which by which I mean, let's say if you're a 10% shareholder, you and the 90% shareholder or shareholders want to sell. You don't necessarily, in fact, probably won't want to be left high and dry. Yeah. So you can include provisions in a shareholders agreement. Obviously these are things for negotiation, but which oblige the majority shareholders to ensure that you, the minority shareholder, are are also bought out at the same time and at the same price per share. Because of course, if you've got 90% of the shares, they're worth a lot more than 10%, which is something of a nuisance value to, to an incoming shareholder. Sure. Equally, equally, it works the other way around. The majority shareholders to enable themselves to sell their shares may be obligated by the buyer to ensure that all the shares are sold because if you think about it the incoming new shareholders don't necessarily want to have any dealings with uh, nuisance factor minority shareholders and those are called drag along rights so it's it's tag along for the minority don't leave me don't leave me here on my own drag along you must sell when we sell understand um, and would a typical shareholders agreement also include things like details on dividends, such as who's entitled to them and when? Right. I mean, the assumption there is there's one class of shares, but dealing, dealing with that, um, clearly, especially in the early years of a company, it's a burning, people want to get a return on their investment and their time. Mm. It's probably a combination of, of both. But obviously you don't want to strip the company out of all its capital. So you need to try and decide how that's going to be covered. Bearing in mind that the board of directors as distinct from the shareholders, bearing again, bearing in mind that a company operates at two levels, the senior management board of directors and the shareholders, which deals with their ownership rights and so on. But you, you may want to keep or ensure that enough money is kept in the company for a rainy day um, rather than every time we make a profit let's take it out and have a party yeah um, yeah understand and, and again um just picking up on that um 
and something you mentioned earlier, can a shareholders agreement also place restrictions on shareholder activities? I know you mentioned about, um, you know, setting up in competition, but what other activities could be considered in, in that? It, it does. Of course, limited liability will cover all activities from service industry to light industrial and onwards from there. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously different situations apply to different types of business but it would be um, inconceivable really in a shareholders agreement if you didn't seek to place restrictions on what a shareholder can do outside the company both during his time as a shareholder in that company if necessary and certainly afterwards okay okay and would a share, and this might sound an odd question, but would a shareholders agreement be of any value to a sole shareholder? Um, interesting question. I would say no, um, because the chances are if you are a sole shareholder, you are also a sole director and therefore you are in complete command and control of your company. But obviously, again, if if that sole shareholder finds his business expanding and he needs to in, attract other business partners, then at that point, he should seriously consider a shareholders agreement. Okay. And um, I'm assuming the real benefit of this and the real value of this is to help avoid commercial disputes further down the line. It is clarity. I mean, I, I would just say that it's wise because obviously shareholders agreements usually, not always, but usually are signed at the beginning of a venture. Um, everybody's optimistic, um, everybody's trying to look into the crystal ball and see what's going to happen down the road and hopefully be profitable and so on. But it's, it's a good thing three or four years into the venture, if not before, to blow the dust off that shareholders agreement and see what needs to be changed, updated, what's happened that they didn't envisage and what needs to be covered, but perhaps they couldn't think of at the time. Understand, okay. So in all of this, John, how can you help uh, a business owner put this together? Well, it's the experience that comes with advising a number of businessmen over a long period of time, knowing the issues that arise. It's, so it's, it's that knowledge, that sort of background knowledge, if you like, that needs to be applied because there's no one size fits all in shareholders agreement. Each situation is different, not radically different, but different from the next. So it's talking it through with the clients, seeing what needs to be covered, seeing what they're relaxed about and clarity of drafting. So there's no ambiguity um, and that everybody goes forward with their, their eyes wide open. Great. Well, thanks very much, John. That's been incredibly useful and insightful. Um, and as with uh, all of our content, um, if you'd like to contact John, um, if you're watching this on video, next slide will tell you how to do that. If you're listening to us on our podcast, then John's contact details will accompany the editor's notes. Thanks very much, John. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.